Good morning, Calvary Bible Church, and uh, thank you again for this privilege and opportunity to spend this time with you. And as we begin this morning's message, may we commit this time unto the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come into your presence this morning, and we thank you for the privilege and honor of being able to do so. We commit this time unto you, praying, Father God, as the word goes forth, your will and your purpose would be accomplished. We thank you for the saints who are gathered here this morning. We pray that as you brought them in, they would have ears to hear what you have for them this morning. May your will, may your purpose be accomplished. May your word go forth and accomplish its purpose. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This morning we want to consider the issue of spiritual growth and maturity. One of the things we at Calvary Bible Church's leadership have been trying to do is work on our mission and vision statement. And our mission statement says, making fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. The question is, what does a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ look like? And more importantly, how do you become one? This morning, I want to develop that a bit and encourage us on the path to becoming fully committed followers of Christ. Other terms that can be used are spiritually mature or spiritual growth as it speaks to, to us, us growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. A fully committed follower of Christ or mature Christian has been defined by a group called the Center for Christian in, for, for Gospel or Bible Engagement. They've defined it as a, one who is becoming less of the person I was before I committed my life to following Jesus Christ and more like him in my thoughts, my words, and my deeds. A fully committed follower of Christ or a mature Christian has been defined also as someone who is, who is Christ-centered or Christ-focused. Someone who has this commitment to Christ, who is growing into the image of Christ. Someone who is increasing in their relational closeness to Christ. This is a Christian that is demonstrating practices that are in line with Scripture. This is a fully committed follower. Someone who is becoming less of the person that he was and more and more like Christ in his words, in his deeds, and in his very thoughts. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I believe, also helps to give us a picture of what a fully committed follower of Christ looks like. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, new in Christ. The text we want to look at this morning as well to help us to get a picture of what a fully committed follower of Christ look like, looks like is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. It reads, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
And I want to explain. All scripture, all of God's word is given by inspiration of God. All of God's word is God, God breathed. It is the words of God. The word of God is actually God's love letter to us. You know, when we were dating and courting, when we got a love letter from our girlfriend, we would take the time to read that in, in great detail. We would look at the, the, the text and we would also take note of where, where she would put the, the little hearts over the eyes and, and where she would have all the different words she would use. And we'd pay special attention to the very words that were written. This is God's love letter to us. And our desire should be the same as getting a love letter from our girlfriend. We, would want, we want to look at the details. We want to look at the words. We want to see what it is that our writer, the person who authored this letter, what do they really mean? What are they saying to me? And read in its detail and understand what it's saying to us. That is the attitude with which we should approach Scripture. It is God's breathe. It is his letter to us. It is profitable for doctrine. Scripture is profitable for teaching us the truth, showing us what the truth is as it pertains to his word. It is profitable for reproof, to correct us when we are wrong. When we're leaning off, it is the thing that straightens us back up. It is, tells us that we are off. It tells us that we're leaning. It is the reproof that we get from God's word. It's also profitable for correction. So when we're leaning, it helps us to correct ourselves. It tells us we're off, but it also straightens us up. This is what God's word does. It is also profitable for instruction, training, the act of providing the guidance responsible for living. So let's understand, God's word tells us what the truth is. God's word tells us when we are off. It tells us how to get straight, and then it teaches us how to continue to live a life that is in line with the truth that it says. That is what scripture is for. And what does it do it for? What is the benefits that we, the men and women of God, may be complete? adequate, qualified, proficient, and capable, thoroughly equipped, fully prepared for every good work, the work that God our Heavenly Father has for us. That is what the Word of God is for. It is to help us as children of God to be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ, carrying out every good work but doing it in a manner that brings honor and glory to God and is pleasing to him, helping us to be more and more like Christ. By his very statement, there is the intention of taking action as well. It is for every good work. James 1, 25 reminds us that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. If he looks in the mirror and he moves away and forgets, that's, what it, that's not what it's all about. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So it's not just looking into the word of God. Looking into the word of God as a mirror. No one looks into a mirror, sees what the problem is, looks and sees the baby in his eye, and then walks away, leaving it there. The very nature of a mirror is it allows us to see who we are. 
When we see the image of Jesus Christ and his holiness and his righteousness and his purity, when we see who he is, it allows us to also see who we are in comparison to him. And when we see who we are, we should take action. When we see that baby in our eye, when we see our hair is not combed properly, and that mirror allows us to see that we are called upon now to take action. The word of God expects us to look into that mirror, see what the issue is, and respond. So the path to maturity is not just looking into God's word, but once it shows you what is wrong, you do something about it. Either you correct what is wrong, or you continue to do what it shows you is right. This is what it says in God's word. Now, as we study God's word, we want to look at some statistics that encourage us and challenge us and tell us this is the truth. A study was done by the Center for Bible Engagement of over 100,000 people for eight years from around the world. The findings consistently show that engaging the Bible four or more days a week is the single most powerful or the strongest and most reliable predictor of spiritual growth. They showed that engaging in scripture four or more times a week, the chances of giving into temptation decreases. It increases our odds of having victory over personal struggle. Their faith is more proactive and their positive perception of their spiritual growth increases. In other words, when a believer, when a child of God engages in God's word four or more times a week, the negative aspects decrease and the positive aspects increase. In other words, when we engage in God's word more than four times a week, we move further and further away from the person that we were and closer and closer to the image of Christ, moving along that path of spiritual growth and development. The statistics show more active faith. A person shares their faith with others 220% times more when they're engaging the word of God on a consistent basis. They disciple others 231% more. They memorize scripture 407% more. They give financially to the church 416% more. They have fewer struggles. Think destructively about themselves and others 32% less. Feel spiritually stagnant 50% less. Feel they can't please God. 44% less, have difficulty forgiving others, 31% less, and feel discouraged, 31% less. Remember now what our def definition is. This is someone who's becoming a person less than he was before and committed more and more to following Christ in their thoughts, words, and deeds. This person gambles 45% less has sex outside of marriage, 55% less. Views pornography, 59% less. And drinks in excess, 62% less. And gossips, 28% less. 
you can see that the impact of scripture towards spiritual growth and spiritual maturity moves you away from the negative and moves you toward the positive. It takes you away from where you were to where you should be and where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to make it a point. The statistics show it. But more importantly, the word of God itself says it. Let's consider what God's word says. Engaging in scripture occurs in several ways. And we're going to look at scripture to see what it says. For instance, in the Old Testament, the word was so important, not just for everyone, but especially for the king. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20 says, And it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests and the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. The king was required by law to take the word of God and write it in his own hands and carry it with him and read it every day. It was a part of his responsibility as a king. If he wanted to lead his people well, if he wanted to please God in what he did, and he was responsible to observe all that was written in it, not just to write it, not just to read it, but to obey it. And I believe, more importantly, as he reads it and obeys it, he sets an example for the people of God to follow. The king had to get into God's word. The people had to get into God's word. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 reads, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Your children should be hearing. Your children should be coming in contact with the word of God on a consistent basis, when they lie down, when they rise up, when they go out, when they come in, when they walk through the house, it's written all over the walls. The word of God should be preeminent in the home for your children to be consistently in contact with God's word. He says to Joshua in Joshua 1, 7 and 8, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate on it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. This book of the law Day and night. We're reminded by David in Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. But his delight, his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Taking that time to read God's word, to meditate on it, allow it to sink into your heart and into your life. He shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of waters 
that's going to bring forth his fruit in his season. As he spends time in God's word on a consistent basis, there's going to be see a development, a growth, a growth, a movement from one place to another, from being a babe in Christ to being an adult in Christ. As you spend time in God's word, you mature, you grow, you move along the path in your spiritual life. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, Till I come, Timothy, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give thyself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will, be, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Timothy, if you spend time, if you give yourself wholly to this, if you take the heed to yourself and to your doctrine, your progress, your growth, your development, your movement from immaturity to maturity is going to be evidenced by all. In other words, when you spend time in God's word on a consistent basis, you move from spiritual babe to spiritual adult. Fully mature believers. We're also reminded in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. We need God's word. Like a baby uses milk to grow, we need the word of God and to intake it. A baby doesn't take milk in once a week. He doesn't take milk in once every other day. He takes milk in on a consistent basis because he wants to grow. And if you want to grow, if you want to mature as believers, we need to be consistent in taking in the word of God as newborn babes. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 also reminds us, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So milk is necessary for the babe in Christ, the milk of the word to help us to grow. But in time you should be eating solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And so we start off as babes in Christ. Yes, we become new Christians. We are here in our relationship, and we drink the milk of God's word, but it's expected that we are to continue to not just drink the milk, but to engage in the deeper things of God as we move from one point and grow in our movement and our relationship to Christ. Not to continue to drink milk, but to eventually partake of the deep things, the meat of God's word. Why? Because solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, by reason of practice, we're supposed to be exercising ourselves in the things of God. This book is not just for us to read and to notice, but to put into practice. Note, with these last two passages, there's an expectation of spiritual growth in the life of the believer. As you engage the word consistently and continually, there's the expectation of growth. You must engage the text, wrestle with it, receive it, what it has to offer. Do it. Obey it. Some say it's not easy. And they give various reasons. 
Some of the reasons I, I don't have the time. Yes, you don't have time to look seriously at God's word. Then if that's the case, you need to look at your schedule. What are you doing with the time that you do have? And is what you're doing with that time more important than engaging the word of God that is going to lead you towards spiritual growth and development? You know, maybe I don't have the tools or the resources. I don't have the means to do it. Where are you spending your money? We spend our money on so many other things. But are we spending our money on the things that are going to help us to grow in our spiritual relationship? I don't have anybody to help me. Someone to, to, to hold me accountable. And maybe we need to do it for one another. Hold each other accountable. Do you have someone who's going to make sure, hey, did you do your devotions this morning? Did you do your Bible study? What about the reading you were supposed to do? Did you spend time with God today? I mean, to hold one another accountable. If you have newborn babes in Christ, understand they're young in the faith. They need someone to work along with them, to encourage them, to keep them on track. But like, because like regular babies, they're going to be off target. So we need someone to work along with them. Accountability. You're unsure where to start, what to follow. And there are so many resources. Take advantage of the technology. The resources are out there. The tools are out there. Look, ask. There are individuals who know exactly. Ask these persons. Look for it. Research. That's what the computer is there for. Read upon it. See what else is out there. The reading plans, the studying tools. And you have the Bible in so many translations. You don't like the King James? You have the New Living Translation, the ESV, the NASB. So whatever translation you would like to read, whatever will help you to understand, whatever it's going to take for you to get into God's word, do what is necessary. No more excuses, especially the time excuse. With COVID, all we have is time. Yes, it has a negative impact on our country. Lives may have been lost. But I see as one of the advantages, time. We had the time. And that time could be used to get in God's word. A difficulty understanding. And there are tools to use for that as well. A good study Bible. Good concordance. Good resources. Invest in good resources. And parents, listen. We need to make it a point to invest in our children's lives. We have the excuse with our kids. And I, and I, and I don't understand this, this, this concept of we'll push them to read, we'll push them to do math, we'll push them to do English, we'll push them to complete their reports, and we'll make them stay up late to complete their homework. But will you push them to read God's word, to meditate on scripture, to memorize scripture? You know, my wife and I was talking about it the other day. You have individuals who will let their children, listen, you have to finish this report, you have to do your homework, you can stay up till 10 o'clock, your bedtime may be 8, but 10 o'clock you can stay up to finish your work. Have you ever heard a parent say to a child, listen, after 10 o'clock, when they finish their schoolwork, have you finished your devotions? You finished your Bible study? I'm sorry you can't go to bed until you finish your Bible study, until you finish your reading. What are we saying to our children is more important? A relationship with God or these physical things? Always remember, and I remember my wife, the school that she goes to, their, 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 their statement is preparing for life and for eternity. Understand as parents, we're not just preparing our children to live here on this earth. 
Yes, they need to be good examples, godly children, living their lives according to God's plans and principles. But how are they going to know to do that? How are they going to know to be a good husband and a good wife and a good student and a good employee if they don't know what God's word says is a good individual? The scripture is given for us that we might what? What the text says? Do good works. So you have to get into God's word to know what those works are. Let's get practical. Let's, what resources are out there? Get a good reading program. Look at a schedule. Study. Get the tools you need. Memorize. Get a good system in place. Meditate. Take the time to spend sitting down and using the resources you have. Use the technology. Invest in good resources. Listen, let's work together. Husbands and wives work together. Don't just sit around and read the Bible. Bring your family involved in this, on, on your process, on your movement from spirit, in, on spiritual growth. Sit down with your wife and y'all read the Bible together. Sit around the dinner table and have devotions together. I believe one of the areas that is now not being taken full advantage of is the family table. Get together and have dinner. And after we finish eating dinner, pause. Let's read scripture. Let's see with the Bible. After you have partaken in physical food, take advantage of the opportunity to partake in spiritual food. Get some brothers and sisters together. Maybe it's going to take you getting together at work and studying God's word and taking advantage of the opportunities that present you. Remember now, it's work. It's work. Moving from point A to point B takes effort. And our enemy does not want us to do this work. He knows the benefits. He knows the value. He knows what is going to happen to us as we move along in our relationship with Christ. He knows if we engage the word of God, he knows what is going to happen. And he's doing everything in his power, giving us all the excuses, taking up our time, keeping us busy. Why? Because he does not want us to engage God's word because he knows the difference it's going to make in our lives. Our enemy knows this is not going to be an easy battle, and our enemy knows. He recognizes the value. He knows, and he will do everything. He knows. He knows it's going to give you a better prayer life. He knows if you engage in God's word, it's going to make you a better husband. It's going to make you a better wife. He knows if you engage in God's word in a consistent basis, it's going to make you a better witness for Jesus Christ. He knows that if you take time to consistently, on a daily basis, spend time in God's word, he knows it's going to give you a victory over sin. He knows that if you spend time in God's word, it's going to draw you further away from who you were and draw you closer to an image and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ah, enemy knows and because he knows he's doing everything in his power to keep us the children of God out of God's word because he knows he knows the power I want to remind us the findings are consistent they show that engaging the Bible four or more days of a week 
is the single most powerful, the strongest and most reliable predictor of spiritual growth. The statistics show it. Scripture shows it. That if we spend time meditating God's word day and night, read it consistently, study it consistently, memorize it consistently, meditate on it consistently, the scriptures show that we are going to prosper. We're going to grow. We're going to be more like Christ. The statistics show, the scriptures show. So the question is, what are we going to do? As I close, I want to use an example that my wife and I like to talk about sometimes. When I get up here or anybody gets up here on a Sunday morning service, persons consider us like chefs. We took the time to prepare this meal. Last night we were cutting up all the herbs and we took our time to, to prepare the, 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 the um, um, salad and to put together the, the main course and to put together the dessert and, and the appetite, all the things that were necessary for this big meal. And so when you came in on a Sunday morning to, this, this, to, to, to the service to enjoy this meal, the chef prepared this beautiful meal before you and you enjoyed it, you indulged in it. But let me ask you the question. How long do you expect the Sunday morning meal to last? You expect to live off of the meal on Monday and all through the week? Sad to say, that's what some of us do. We don't do it with the physical food. We'll eat a big meal on Sunday, but Monday morning we're back for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and so on. But when it comes to the spiritual food, we will eat one meal on Sunday and not eat again until the following Sunday morning. And then we wonder why, during the course of the week, we're weak, we're being defeated, we're failing in our relationship and our walk with Jesus Christ. We're not performing the good works that God has called us to do, and our relationship with him is not what it should be. Why? One meal, one meal. Get in God's word. Learn how to to feed yourself. It may just be something as simple as grits and corned beef, but it's a meal. And we have to learn how to feed ourselves. If we expect to be able to grow, we're not going to be here every Sunday, but use the resources and feed yourself and be able to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and become a fully committed follower of Christ. I end with a verse from 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, and it reads, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. How can they walk in truth? Get into God's word, and then we can be fully committed followers of Christ. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for what you have said this morning, and I pray that only what you have said would be heard. I pray that your word has gone forth. Your purpose has been accomplished, and your will has been done. Thank you again for giving me the opportunity to be used by you. No, Father God, you don't need me, but I thank you that you allow me to be used by you to bring your word. 
I pray that your will was accomplished this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen.